Church is one of our core values here at Rockbrook. Uh, Matthew 13, 31, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. Jesus Christ says the church is going to start out very small, and then it's going to be the largest of all garden plants. And in this message, we're going to talk about why we believe in church growth. I want to begin by looking at three different ways that a church can grow. First way a church can grow is biological growth. Uh, this is when Christian parents have children who grow up and make their own commitment to Jesus Christ and the church. That's called biological church growth. Transfer growth is when uh, believers uh, come from one church uh, to another church. And then there's conversion growth. Conversion growth is when non-believers uh, make their public confession of faith in Christ and they're baptized and they join the membership of the church. Frankly, we're in favor of all three methods of church growth. Uh, we love biological growth. Uh, we get excited when we see the next generation being born and being raised up and brought into the church. We are excited to see Christian families uh, here at Rockbrook. Uh, we love parent-child dedications. We love our Rockbrook for Kids ministries. We love our youth ministry. We love to see young couples in our church uh, grow up and get married. We love it when the nursery is full. Uh, we love a biological growth because we love people. And God said to you know, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with people who sing his praises. Transfer, transfer growth can happen when people move to a new community. They get a new job or maybe they want to get married and one of them moves or they uh, retire. Something causes them to start a new chapter in their life and so they leave their old church and then they move to a new one. And we recognize that God moves people from place to place for many different reasons. And one of the reasons might be to be, go to a place and become part of a new church family. Uh, you know, we've had people move here from other towns and cities, states, even other countries. People have come here and connected with Rockbrook, and it's been great for us and great for them. We have people who leave here, and they always want to know, where can I find another church like Rockbrook? Where can I get plugged in to another church where I'm going? And so uh, we uh, believe in transfer uh, growth. And if you've moved here from another church, we're glad you're here. We especially love conversion growth. Uh, conversion growth, uh, you know, we love to see people who've never been exposed to Christ and to the church come to Rockbrook, discover uh, God's purpose for their life, discover what Christ is like, discover what the body of Christ is like, and, and have that exposure change their life. Uh, they become believers in Christ, they get baptized, they become members of the church, they get plugged into a small group, maybe they go through Celebrate Recovery and find healing for their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, they discover their shape and get plugged into ministry, and they become a dynamic part of the church family. They live a life that benefits them and gives glory to God. We, we love to see that happen. They go out and they reach other people and bring other people in for Christ. So we love all these methods of church growth. Tommy? Let, let's look at six biblical reasons why we believe in church growth here at Rockbrook. Uh, number one, it's because God's Word commands it. God's Word commands it, commands it. The New Testament gives us clear instruction from Christ about the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church. And this is called the Great Commission. And actually there are five Great Commissions, one in each of the Gospels and uh, in the book of Acts. But I'm going to read from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It's a core verse here at Rockbrook. 
As uh, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you till the very end of the age. Now, in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to do three things. He says, I want you to make disciples, I want you to mark mark disciples, and I want you to mature disciples. We are to make them. We're to win them to Christ. We are to mark them means we're to baptize them, to identify them as believers. And then we are to mature disciples. We are to teach them everything that Jesus has taught us. That's the Great Commission. In each of the Gospels and in the book of Acts, Jesus gives a commission to his followers to go out and reach others for Christ. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Christ's plan is to expand the gospel in ever-increasing concentric circles. First, he wants you to start in your Jerusalem. Now, what is your Jerusalem? That's the people closest to you. That's your family. That's your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, those who cross your path every day. And then he says, go to Judea. That's the region around where you live. So around our church is Belton, Raymore, Harrisonville, Peculiar, Grandview, the region around our church. And then go to Samaria. That's the region close to us, but that's the people that are culturally different than we are. And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. Jesus intended for the message of the gospel to grow and to spread. The disciples were to begin at their home base, Jerusalem, and eventually expand it to the ends of the earth. These verses and many others point to the point that it is our responsibility to help the church to grow. We are to work for church growth. We are to believe in it. And we believe the church must grow because God has commanded that we reach out and that we grow the church. Number two, we also believe the church must grow because the needs of the people demand it. The Bible clearly states that people who die without Christ go to hell. Approximately 176,000 people die every 24 hours. We need to continually remind ourselves the eternal, that eternal punishment awaits those who die without Christ and eternal reward awaits those who die with Christ. In Matthew 25, 41 through 46, Jesus says, Then God will say, Depart from me, you who are accursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And they shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. The consequences of the gospel are eternal. Therefore, we must never stop growing as long as there is one person who needs Christ. We do not grow for our benefit. We grow for the benefit of other people. We grow because people without Christ go to hell. It is selfish for a church to not want to grow. A church that says, you know what, we've got enough people. We just need to take care of our members. 
That church is actually telling the rest of the world that you can go to hell. The church that only focuses on itself rather than on reaching the lost has forgotten its purpose and has become a social club. It is selfish for a church to not want to grow. But on the other hand, it is unselfish for a church to want to grow. Increased growth means bigger problems. More people means more inconveniences, more conflicts, more expenses, more building space, more parking, multiple services. It means additional time demands on the pastor and the staff and all of the volunteers that make things happen here at Rockbrook. The church that commits itself to growth is acting in an unselfish way. The members are saying we are willing to put up with the hassles of growth and welcome new people into our fellowship because the Lord loves the lost. Not only is the command of, of Christ telling us we must reach out, but the very needs of other people require it. We have to do whatever we have to do to keep reaching more and more people. We have to lead the church into its next phase of growth, whether that includes adding more staff, bigger buildings, more activities, and taking on more responsibility. The unselfish decision is the decision to grow as a church. You know, a number of uh, years ago, we recognized that many in our community can't come to church on Sunday morning. One-third of our community works on Sundays. So when we don't offer uh, a Saturday service, we're telling people that you can't go to church here. That's why our Saturday service is so important. But that was no small decision for us as a church. We recognize as pastors and as staff and volunteers and as worship teams that we were giving up our Saturday nights for the rest of our life. Many of our staff, our bands, our children workers, our greeters, our ushers, work both on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. That's a significant commitment and a real sacrifice. But why do we do this? Well, it involves love. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ compels us. Because Christ cares, we must care. Love is the proper motivation for the church. Love for the Lord and love for the people. 1 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. The Lord is not willing that anyone should perish. His will is for people to come to the Lord and for the church to grow. But that is our, that is our choice. Church growth is a choice. A church must choose to grow or not to grow. Many churches have deliberately chosen not to grow. A church chooses whether to grow or not to grow in many ways. They make the choice by the services they offer. They make the choice by the energy they invest in evangelism. They make the choice by the buildings they build. And they make the choice by how willing they are to invest their time, talents, and treasure in growing the church. But if we really love God, and we really love people, then the desire for the church growth cannot be optional. God is not satisfied with only a few people knowing Him. He wants everybody to know Him. And one of the clearest illustrations 
of the priority of evangelism in Luke 15. In Luke 15, Jesus gives us three parables. He gives us three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And in Luke 15, 4, Jesus says, Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Let me put that in perspective for us here at Rockbrook. Suppose you have four services and you have over a thousand people attending those services. Do you still not go out and find that one lost person in your community and ask them to come into the fellowship? Jesus said that he's willing to leave the 99 saved sheep and go after the one lost sheep. He goes out to get them and brings them in. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the lost coin and the lost son to reinforce his messages. He says it three times in three stories because Jesus wants us to get the point. Every lost person matters to God. The love of Christ compels us to do whatever we need to do to reach the lost. We believe in church growth because Jesus believed in church growth. Jesus was committed to the growth of his church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus told Peter, I will build my church, even in the face of opposition. Uh, Christ will build the church. It's his church. He intends for it, desires for it to grow. As you look through the life and teaching of Christ, you find that he was very conscious that the gospel would spread far beyond the land of Israel. Numerous times he makes references to the expansion of his teaching around the world. Just a few examples. Matthew 5.5 says, The meek will inherit the earth. Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew 24, This good news will be preached unto the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Matthew 26, 13, a a woman came and anointed Christ with an expensive perfume. And he says, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus had a vision for there to be disciples all over the world. He expected that expansion to happen. And as followers of Christ, we must be committed to that very same vision. Because we are the body of Christ that is going to fulfill the vision that Christ had for that church. Uh, In the parables of Jesus, you see growth terminology, growth imagery, the parable of the sower, classic example of growth imagery. Uh, The sower sows the word of God, and he gets varying results due to the receptivity of the soil. Same seed in different soils, but it's a parable of growth. In fact, when you look at the fourth kind of soil, you see that it's a parable of uh, miraculous Uh, outstanding growth. It yields a crop up to a hundredfold return. You know, in Israel, you didn't find a hundredfold return for anything you planted there. This is going to be an incredibly miraculous growth. That's what we can expect from the Word of God when the good Word is planted in good soil. When we receive the Word of God, the church grows in amazing ways. The parable of the fig tree. Jesus points out that a fig tree is designed to grow and bear fruit. And when it doesn't, it has missed the purpose of its existence. He says, cut it down. It's, it's taking up space. And a church that is not bearing fruit in evangelism has lost its purpose. Parable of the mustard seed. Jesus predicted growth of his kingdom from a very small beginning, just 12 uh, disciples, uh, to becoming the greatest kingdom ever known. The parable of yeast. 
predicts the expanding influence of his kingdom. The parable of the great banquet. The king sent out messengers to invite uh, people to come to the banquet. When they didn't respond, he says, go out into the roads and make them come in. Compel them to come in. Why? So that my house will be full. God wants his house full. Not half full, not three-quarters full. Full. God expects the church to grow. We believe in church growth, number four, because the nature of the church itself implies growth. Colossians 2.19, under Christ's control, the whole body, that's the church, the whole body is nourished and held together by its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God wants it to grow. God wants the church to grow. You know, the most often used term in the Bible for the church is the body of Christ. The church is a body. It's not a business. It's an organism, not an organization. The, the church is the body under Christ's direction. And the body is fitted together perfectly, each part in its own way, helping all the other parts so that the church stays healthy and healthy things grow. You know, church health and church growth go together. Because healthy things grow. If church is not growing, it means the church is unhealthy. It means it's sick. It may even be dead. Or it has an external growth-restricting barrier. You know, when a church is not growing, we need to ask, what is preventing this church from growing? And one of the key tasks of church leadership is to recognize and remove growth-restricting barriers. Because then you allow the natural, healthy expansion of the church. We believe in church growth because it's the nature of the church to grow. Number five, we believe in church growth because the fulfillment of prophecy requires it. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. Jesus says that one of the prerequisites for his return would be the spread of the gospel to the whole world. Therefore, the fulfillment of prophecy requires church growth. You know, we live in a day where there's a lot of speculation about, are we in the end times? Is the second coming uh, approaching? People point to various signs. You know, there's earthquakes and pestilence and famines and wars and rumors of wars and all the events in the Middle East and even events in our own government. Yet Jesus said that one of the things that must happen is the spread of the gospel to every corner of the world and then the end will come. Now, if to the whole world means every single people group, we still have over 3,000 people groups who haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are 6,000 people groups on the planet. Over 2,000 years, the church has told 3,000 of them about the gospel of Christ. There's 3,100 people groups that have never heard. Never. You know, that's one of the motivations for the work that we're doing in North India as a church. We want to do everything we can to reach unreached people groups. Part of that's selfish motivation on my part because I want Jesus to come back. <laughs> okay? But every time we share Christ with a new people group, the time of Christ's arrival is drawn closer. If you want to hasten the second coming of Jesus, support missions. You know, Jesus was asked by his disciples, they said, when are you going to return? What are the times and seasons? And Jesus said in Acts 1-7, he says, it's none of your business. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons but you will be my witnesses. Jesus said, you're not on the date and place committee. You're on the welcoming committee. Your job isn't to determine where and when. Your job is to work on the who is ready for Christ's return. We're to get as many people possible as ready 
And that's why we believe in church growth. So I want us to take a moment and let's look at four things that you can do right now to help the church grow. Number one, if you want to help the church grow, become a member. Make a commitment to the local church. You know, and if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, become one. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. You know, we're doing baptisms uh, this Sunday night at the Belton Community Center. And in your worship folder, there's a communication card. And on the back of that communication card is a spot for you to indicate that I want to be baptized. So if you've never been baptized, maybe that's your next step today. And just check that off and and, uh, we'll contact you and we'll help you take that next step. If you've never taken our membership class, start planning now to take the next one. You know, write this down on the margin of your worship folder. October 11th, that's a Friday night, at 6 p.m., we're going to offer our next membership classes. If you've never taken class 101, I'd encourage you to just carve out your calendar, mark that on there, and just come join us for our membership class. Take that next step. We're doing it on a Friday night instead of Sundays for those that that can't make it on Sunday night. You know, Ephesians 2.19 says, You are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. One of the simplest ways you can help the church to grow is to commit to it. When you move from being an attender to a member, you grow spiritually and you help the church to grow numerically. Number two, if you want to help the church grow, join a small group. Small groups are the heartbeat of our church. You know, Rockbrook is not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Our strategy is to get everybody in this church plugged into a small group because small groups are where spiritual growth happens around here. You know, coming to worship is important, but it's just the starting point of your spiritual growth. You know, it's in our weekend service where we establish or we expose you uh, to God's five purposes for your life. You know, even today in this sermon, we've talked about membership, we've talked about maturity, we've talked about ministry, we've talked about mission, and we've talked about uh, magnification, which is surrendering your life. We've exposed you to that. But then it's in our life development classes where we explain those five purposes to you in detail. And then it's in our small groups where we experience God's purpose for our life. It's where we do life together as a biblical community, as a family. So start planning now to get plugged into a small group this fall. Our new small group semester sign-ups are going to start this September. So start building margin into your schedule right now so you can be in a small group this fall. You know, don't fill up your calendar now and then say, I'm too busy to get into a small group. Plan ahead for the commitment. You know, in fact, some of you need to step it up a notch. You know, you're a member of Rockbrook, and maybe you've been in a small group for a while. uh, And it's time for you to host a small group. You know, we talked about making disciples. I can think of no better way than, than to make disciples than to host a small group. And in your worship folder, there's a card there that you can fill out, and I will help you take that next step. And I will answer any questions that you may have about hosting a small group, you know, Uh, whatever's whatever's holding you back I will help you work through that so fill out that card and and host a small group there's people in this church that need a small group 
and you're the person uh, to lead them. Number three, if you want to help the church to grow, you need to ask this question. Ask, where can I serve? Say, God, where do you want me to help? You know, the size of the task is irrelevant. Jesus said, unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. It is in small acts of service that we grow like Christ. Jesus specialized in menial tasks that everyone else tried to avoid. You know, Jesus washed feet. He helped children. He fixed meals. He served lepers. Nothing was beneath him because he came to serve. He was a servant, and he expects us to follow his example. Small tasks often show a big heart. Great opportunities often disguise themselves in small tasks. Don't look for great tasks to do for God, but be willing to do the not-so-great stuff. There will always be more people willing to do great things for God than there are people willing to do the little things. You know, the race to be served is crowded, but the field is wide open for those willing to be servants. You know, I can remember in the early days at Brockbrook when we didn't have a church building, my wife and I had just started attending. And I had just taken the the membership class, and, and I heard a message similar of what, what you're hearing today. And I can remember going up to uh, Pastor Kelly, and I just asked him, you know, how can I help? How can I help, Pastor Kelly? And Kelly plugged me into the setup team ministry, and I remember being blown away at the servant attitude of the people serving on this team. They were committed to showing up every weekend. They had to be there early. They had to unload the, the trailer with all the equipment on it, and they had to pick it all back up and load it back into the trailer, and they did this week after week after week. And when I started coming, you know, at that time we met in the Belton Movie Theater, and then we moved from there to the hotel ballroom. Before we could even begin to set up the equipment, we had to clean up popcorn and spilt pop and wedding cake and beer bottles. I mean, but it was just amazing to see the servant heart uh, of all those people getting the service ready so that people could come and hear the message uh, of the Lord. And we're here today because of that unselfish act of those people. You know, this ministry had such an impact on me on how important the behind-the-scenes ministry are to, to making a weekend service happen here at Rockbrook. Even today, as a full-time staff person, I continue to serve on the setup team ministry with my small group. And uh, I've been doing this ministry for 15-plus years. You know, I love it when we are done cleaning and this place is completely empty and it's quiet and my small group gathers in a huddle and we pray for every one of you. We pray that you'll make it here safely. We pray that it won't be hectic for you. We pray that God will just soften your heart and you'll receive His Word and you'll come out of here with a changed life. And we pray for all the volunteers and all the ministers and the ministries and the worship team and the preaching. And it's so rewarding to show up here during the weekend services and see every one of you and to see the changed lives that are happening here at Rockbrook. And if you ask anyone else serving in ministry here at Rockbrook, they will tell you that they are not serving for themselves, they're serving with you in mind. We have needs here at Rockbrook for people to serve in. We're a growing church. We need people to help with our cleaning crew, 
our setup crew, our greeters ministry, our information table, Rockbrook for Kids. You know, there, there are many people doing that now, but more of you need to step up and do that. If we're going to continue, if we're going to make the commitment to keep growing as a church, we need more people to step up. Now, if you're going to serve like that, you need to do the things that we just talked about. You need to become a member of Rockbrook Church. You need to get plugged into a small group. Because this isn't just about getting the floors vacuumed and toilets cleaned. This is about making, making disciples that make disciples. If all we wanted to do was to get the trash taken out, we would we'd hire a janitorial service. But we intentionally choose not to do that so that people can grow through acts of service. You know, you come up here on a Saturday morning, you pull all these chairs up. You mop and sweep the floor. You put them all down. You wipe all the chairs down. You've done a significant act of service when you've done that. You have presented your body as a living sacrifice. It's an act of worship. You know, the other benefit is if we get enough people serving in ministries, then we can rotate. You don't have to do it every weekend. You know, the cleaning team that my small group is on, we rotate every four weeks. We love it. We look forward to it. And so the more people we have, the more that we have accomplishing this task, it helps us to build, helps each other to build margin in our life and still enjoy the rewards of serving in ministry. So if you'd like help getting plugged into some of our ministries, you know, we've got tables set up in the back of the room there. We've got some ministries available that you can get plugged into right now. And uh, there's some sign-up sheets there, there's some brochures, and there's people back there that will answer your questions. You know, just ask yourself, where can I serve? And they'll help you get plugged in. Number four, make a prayer list of people that you know who need the Lord. Begin to pray for them on a regular basis. Then ask God to help you to bring at least one person to Christ during the next 12 months. You know, make that your prayer. Lord, give me the privilege of bringing at least one person to Christ in the next 12 months. Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? What a privilege it is to get to heaven and to have somebody come up to you and say, thank you. Thank you. I'm here because of you. God has placed our church in a field of tremendous potential growth. Uh, we're just catching our stride. The, the field's are white unto harvest. And the only growth limitation is the limitations that we place on ourselves. But as a church, we want you to know, we believe in church growth. We are choosing to grow because God's Word commands it. The needs of people demand it. Jesus believed in growth. The nature of the church is to grow and because prophecy uh, predicts it. You know, Christ has commissioned us. Christ has commissioned you. Christ has commissioned me to be a part of the church, to play a role in its growth and health, to benefit from our participation in the church here and now. You know, when you help the church to grow, it grows you. And we get to enjoy those benefits here and now, but not just here and now, but forever in heaven as well. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your wisdom. I thank you for your grace. Lord, you, you, you could have won the world to Christ all by yourself. You could have done it without us. And yet you have chosen in your grace and your mercy to include us, to allow us to play a part, to receive the benefit, to receive the rewards that come from participating in your plan.
And Lord, I would pray today that you would just stir our hearts, that you would stir us, first of all, to become a part of the church. If there's anyone here who's never given their life to Christ, God, we would just cry out and say, please respond. Open your life to Jesus Christ. Say, God, I want to be a part of your family. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Bind up my hurts and wounds. Give me a new purpose. Give me a, a, a new life. Would you do that today? Say, Jesus, come in. Save me. Make me a part of your body. Maybe you're here and you've been attending for a while, but you've never taken that step of commitment. You've never made the decision to be a member. I invite you today to make the decision. Carve out the time now to be able to step forward, take that membership class, sign the membership covenant, get connected with the church, the body of Christ, in a deeper, fresher way. God, we thank you for our small group ministry. We thank you for the fellowship that we can enjoy there, for the love and the growth that happens in our small groups. I would pray now that you'd be moving in our hearts to help us to set that time aside, to be ready to make that commitment. Maybe even to step out and the host, lead a small group. Take a step of growth that we've never taken before. God, what an exciting time in the life of our church and in the life of each one of us as we move into that new season. Maybe you're here today and it's time for you to step up the plate and begin to serve, to roll up your sleeves, to put on an apron, to begin to minister to the church, to help in small ways with cleaning or setup or greeting, to make a tremendous difference in the life of a child by working in rock work for kids, using your gifts, talents, and abilities, your life experience for the glory of God. Father, we thank you for this exciting adventure that you've called us to. I thank you that not only do we get to do it here, but God, we get to do it literally around the world. We get to have an impact far beyond ourselves, far beyond our own time, but for generations, for eternity to come. What a gift you've given to us in the church. In Jesus' name we pray.